Hello, and welcome to Start By Listening, the podcast about sexual harm. We are centered on educating and empowering our Western Kentucky communities. Our goal is to transform the way we talk about sexual harm. Transformation begins by listening to understand. We talk so you can listen today and change the world tomorrow. Well, welcome everybody to Start By Listening. Super excited to be here with you today. I also have the pleasure of my co-host being Marcy Voris again. She was with us last time. And last time we talked about what are feelings. And this time we're going to talk about how do I feel my feelings? Woo! Raise your hand (laughs) if you too avoid your feelings, because guess what? You're in great company. Yeah, Marcy just raised her hand. I know nobody can see us because we're on Zoom right now doing this podcast, but heck yeah, I don't want to feel sad. I don't want to feel mad. I don't want to feel uncomfortable. I just want to feel happy all the time. Absolutely. In my feelings. <laughs> Marcy, you're a therapist. What? I know. I know. I understand the importance of it, but it doesn't make it easier to do on myself. Amen to that. I, I think that's always great. Like when I know that avoidance is in the room with myself and a client, I'll like, this is hard to talk about, isn't it? Like, I don't even like talking about this feeling in general and you know the cloud will look at me like what like you don't talk about your feelings 24 7 I had one person ask me that I was like god no I'd be a <laughs> I'd be a pile of mush over there are you kidding me mm-hmm. they were shocked they were like oh I thought all therapists like did feelings like <laughs> no we understand how icky they are and how much they suck so yes they do so what do you think about our topic today how do I feel my feelings when you signed up to to be my co-host how did you feel about talking about feelings well I mean I feel like feelings are important and it's something that we all need to work on including myself And so honestly, I thought this would be a good way to not only have a discussion to hopefully help others, but hopefully I can gain something for myself as well. So kind of serving to two purposes. Yeah, I like that. Learning and growing all at once. Yeah. Yeah. The and you know, feelings are they're difficult. And Mm -hmm. anybody that's like, Oh, it's easy. Just, just do it. Um, they're, they're probably lying. <laughs> I don't, anybody that truly feels their feelings thinks it's easy. No, sometimes, um, especially in different types of feelings, it can feel so overwhelming. Like for me, when I think about the feeling sad versus grief, which is a different spice for me of sadness. 
Like I can feel sad and be in my sad feelings and I'm, that's comfortable. But grief and loss, that level of sadness, um, especially if it's um, the death, you know, of somebody that I've loved, ooh, that feels so overwhelming at times. And um, that's just thinking about like the last person in my family that we lost um, and how important they were to me. And I can still in this moment, like just be zinged back, you know, 20 years ago. And it, it, it's just, it's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think you mentioning that brings up um, a good point about feelings is that, you know, we have different intensity mm-hmm. and for a long time, I tried to avoid all sad because I thought sad would feel like grief. Mm. And, um, you know, I've had a lot of loss in my life and um, I didn't like grief. Um, So it took a lot to realize that I can be sad and it doesn't have to go to the next stage of like grief. Um, I think we have so much fear based into our feelings like it's it's like we are afraid that if we feel them that we may not be able to come back or that it's going to stay forever and then you know we're not going to feel happy um again and I think that's where it gets it gets complicated because then you just don't you get afraid and then you don't want to do anything and you just kind of you know more of like what we were talking about last time and you know Mm -hmm more of like a dorsal shutdown Mm -hmm. with our nervous system so I think that being able to understand there's different intensities of feelings in that we don't have to be afraid of them yeah that is something I too struggled with and still at this point in my life there are certain feelings that I struggle with and that level of intensity and in my vernacular I'll call it spicy because I just love spicy foods in general. And it's like, oh, there's levels of spice. Do you want level zero or level 10 spice today? <laughs> and I think about that with feelings and um, I can do sad all day long. I do not like grief. I try to avoid that one. And um, I do not like anger. Anger is really, really scary for me. And I scare myself, you know, when I do get angry. Um And I'm scared when I see anger in someone else, because I'm like, I don't know what to do with that. So those are ones I try to avoid at all costs. (laughs) Yes, I just said the big A word. It is in the room. It is the big pink elephant. Avoid. Oh, my God. What we all do. um, We don't want to feel those hard feelings. You know, I'm. For me, grief is the big one. I mean, sadness to an extent, um, I'm learning to be more okay with sadness, but grief is hard and it's hard to allow myself to feel that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we talked about last time, I'm okay with anger. Anger and I are friends. Um, so, <laughs> you know, a lot of times, you know, my passion and my advocacy 
will come out as uh, anger for the injustice um, pretty quickly. And then I can take some deep breaths and, you know, calm myself through the, the anger just didn't realize this is just my passion and trying to help. Marcy, why, why do you think that people in general avoid feelings? I mean, you've been doing this work for many, many years. You've met with lots of different individuals, kids, adults, um, coworkers, et cetera. You know, what's your take on that? Why do you think we avoid? Because we don't want to feel anything but happy. Like, or we don't want to feel like it's not normal, you know, whatever normal is. But I think, which... I think for so many of us in Gen X, in some millenniums, is our feelings were never validated as a child. Mm. And so we were taught to avoid them because it was not appropriate to display them. So I think that we have this whole generation of people and baby bloomers too, that weren't taught how to appropriately do it. And so we were taught to avoid. I was a taught. I was taught to avoid. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't need to cry. Put your big girl panties on and deal with it. I mean, that was the motto in, in growing up because <clears throat> feelings were almost looked like as if it was like a weakness. Almost, mm-hmm. you know, you should be able to think through these things, not feel them. And I think what we've learned in the years since then and what we've learned about trauma and everything, you know, we store the trauma in our bodies. We're storing these emotions and they're getting trapped. So, you know, whatever that feeling you're avoiding, eventually it's going to come out somehow. And, you know, I always tell my people, you know, it's like a trash can. Mm -hmm. You can throw stuff away and throw stuff away, but eventually... You can't put anything else in it. And if you do, it's going to overflow. And that's what happens with our feelings when we avoid them um, is that we've stuffed and stuffed and stuffed until we can't stuff anymore. Um, I think it's very natural to avoid. But I also will say as someone who was raised to avoid and now doesn't, it's so much more freeing Mm -hmm. to be able to feel my feelings than it was to avoid them and um, just try not to be in them. Yeah, I too can, um, I can identify with what you said because I am Gen X and I was raised, my parents are older and so they are from the silent generation. My parents were born in two and grew up during the, de- the depression. So mm-hmm. they were born in the thirties and they're still alive and um, you know, becoming a therapist and looking back over how I was raised, like love was freely shown in my home, which is a beautiful thing. Um, however, when adversity happened or disappointment, it was the motto was we do what we have to do. And boy, is that not a motto from the Great Depression era? Mm-hmm. And so sadness and anger, it was more like, well, there's nothing you can do. This is the way the situation is. And you just have to work through it and go with it. And so that's why I think in the beginning, 
I didn't do sadness well. Um, and I still have problems with anger, but it was an avoidance. And it's almost like it's a survival, you know, mm-hmm. technique. Because yeah. if you think back like to the Great Depression, there wasn't time for feelings. There's just, it was like food, clothing, shelter. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there wasn't any of that. Right. And you, you touched, I mean, that took brains back to simply survival mode. I mean, you know, we learned that in our, when we talk about brain science. Um, And I think when that's how you were, you developed and you were raised, that's how we, you know, we, we teach children based upon what we know. Mm -hmm. And so then I think it's just continued to be passed along, you know, that, we do what we got to do and get through it and, yeah. um, you know, push through. Um, the problem is, is when you do have these feelings and you add a trauma to that, then wh- what's your outlet? What's, you know, what is it that's going to help that? And I think that's oh, yeah. what we're trying to figure out right now you know, the more we learn, I think we're trying, that's why there's been such a push. I can even tell a difference um, in my two children. They're six years apart and the kids that are my oldest um, age versus my youngest. My youngest is much better at feeling her feelings. She is very good at validating others' feelings. Whereas my oldest, so much of her and her friends it's still some of that avoidance. So mm-hmm. I think it's really something that we've really honed in on. And I think there's a lot of hope for the future that we don't continue to teach avoidance. Yeah. Like, and I just keep going back to my parents, you know, they were raised and love was not shown in their home. It was not stated. It was not shown. Mm-hmm. And so they grew up with disconnection. Um, and my mom, I remember her telling me this story many, many years ago that she said if she was ever blessed to have a family, she would do the exact opposite. She was going to make sure that love was shown. And she, she did. She did a beautiful mm-hmm. job with that. Um, and then I look at the kiddos today that we work with and I look at the parents that we work with. And I think gosh, their parents are also dealing with their own trauma. Nobody's ever addressed their trauma with them. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to um, Gabor Mate. Oh, I love him. He's my new favorite mentor. He doesn't know he's mentoring me, but he is. And he, he said, trauma is not what happens to you. And at first I was like, uh, yes, it is. But he went on to say, trauma happens when you are left alone in your feelings and there is no one there to help you work through that. And I thought, whoa, like I'm even getting cold chills now. And I was like, holy shit. Like that is, yes, that is so true. I'm going to have to write that one down. Um, I was thinking when you said that, you know, Trauma is how we experience it, you know, but that's even better. 
oh, I know, isn't it? I mean, he and he said, especially for children, trauma really takes a grip and it takes hold when a traumatic event happens to a child and they don't have a caregiver who can help them manage the feelings, the ups and downs, and just the, I'm going to use the a big word here, emotional regulation. And I think, and I'm like, well, gosh, I didn't really learn about emotional regulation until I was in my thirties. Mm-hmm. And that's because I went to therapy. You know what I mean? <laughs> and a lot of people don't. So we've got a lot of emotionally dysregulated individuals as caregivers trying to raise children. And there's just so much education that needs Mm -hmm. to happen. And you also have to look at the fact that we have a society that doesn't like to feel anything but good feelings. And you know, our advertisements, our products that we get, all of that is based to um, entice your happy feelings and to not have those sad. Um, We also have a society that has learned, you know, whatever vice you want to say to use to avoid your feelings. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think you the quote that you just used, I mean, I think that's so powerful because um, in the past I've worked with several people with substance abuse issues and that was so true. You know, they, most of the time there was these traumas early in life and nobody there to help them get through it, to help their emotions, to get them out. And so they learned how to avoid a lot of times with drugs and alcohol. And I mean, but it would be that or shopping or food or whatever. Um, that's just powerful. Well, it's interesting you say that because uh, Gabor Mate works primarily with substance abuse mm-hmm. um, survivors and addicts. Um, that's his, I don't know, forte. That's his love, his passion, I should say. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Um, but you said something. I want to go back to that. Um, was it you said? Something about the word good. What did you say? Good is a feeling the, or? Yeah, good. We want the good feelings. We want the good feelings. So, okay. So over your lifespan of being in mental health, how many times when you've asked a client, how are they? Do they say to you, <laughs> I'm good. I'm fine. All the time. <laughs> so, um, I don't like the word fine and um, really don't like the word good. I, and, you know, I try to work with my my peeps to give me a different word that is, mm-hmm. a, is a feeling word. In fact, I do that at my own home. Um, a lot of times at the dinner table, um, you know, we discuss our day and then I will ask, and my children hate this, I will ask what what their primary feeling was for the day and they'll try the good and fine and I'm like nope not a feeling try again I'll give you a feelings list if you need it (laughs) oh they really really don't like that but yes um that's used a lot and I shared with you what I always understood 
growing up fine to be, which is. Yes, share um, it, share it, share it loud and share it proud because I learned y'all and I was like, I have never heard this and I am going to, I'm actually going to put this on my wall. I am at work. Um, so fine means fucked up, insecure, neurotic, and emotionally unstable. <laughs> I've heard that I think since I was 10. Now, let me also preference that I come from um, a home with a um, therapist that works in the substance abuse field. And um, so that's probably where that came from. But I love it. I I'm going to maybe I can find somebody to do a cross stitch or something for you to <laughs> put it on my work wall. But that is so true. And, you know, it's um, it's also a way to avoid if you think about yes. it. Oh, I'm fine. And then the person that asked you just keeps going, right? Versus yeah. the invitation of if someone were to further say, hmm, no, really, tell me, how are you? Right. And then you see the fear, the deer in headlights, the emotions coming up. And it's like, I can't handle this. Nope. I'm just going to suck it back in or suck it up. That was something yeah. I heard a lot as a kid. Just suck it up. My God, I've even said that to people. It's I'm embarrassed to say that, but I'm, I mean, I'm going to own it and be honest. Um, yeah. I've told people to suck things up, not in a therapeutic, you know, environment, but like um, my own friends and family, especially in my early twenties, when I didn't have the capacity to hold space, right? Mm -hmm. Didn't even know what that meant. And I can remember telling people to just suck it up. Life goes mm -hmm. on. You just got to deal with it. Yeah, you and, were saying what you were taught. Yeah. Yeah. And what you need. Yeah, totally. But, but yeah, when people say I'm good, I'm fine. And this is a funny little segue story. But um, when I first started at New Beginnings, I made my own feelings chart. Mm -hmm. And I laminated it. And I was so proud of this chart. So, so, so proud. And um, on one of the charts, it's an intensity level chart, high, medium, low, and it's got your basic sad, mad, scared, mm -hmm. disgust, and I think shame is at the top. So just basics, but then all the levels of intensity. Me being a true ADHD person that I am, when I made this chart, I just glanced over. I was like, oh yeah, this all looks great. Boom, laminated it. I think it was year, let's see, this was back in 2019. So I'd been on the job for about two and a half years, maybe three at that point. First time ever, I had a kid, look at this chart, 10 years old, eyes got huge. He said, Miss Jennifer, good is a feeling. And I said, what are you talking about? We have determined it is not. He said, it's on your chart. <laughs> oh. And sure enough, it was in the level of intensity under happy. Mm -hmm. It was good. He said, we know better. He said, Miss Jennifer, do you have a Sharpie? And he took the Sharpie and he oh, marked it out for, for him. Me. Yeah. I was like, yeah. But again, Faux pas didn't read through. <laughs> and a lot of them do have good on there, but I think that's one of the 
I think I need to make a list for my office and put on my wall that says words that are banned in this space. Find good and should. <laughs> yeah, ooh, I like it. I love it. I think you should do that. But yeah, I thought that was a cute story. Um, and it was funny that a 10 year old found that on my, and because we had talked so much, cause he was one of those kiddos that every week, good, good. Mm-hmm. And part of that is because, um, you know, I think I probably did sessions a little bit too long for his attention span. And so he's just, you know, ready to be done too. But I thought it was great that that education stayed in his brain of look at this word. And, mm-hmm. uh, and plus, it was like, oh, yeah, Mr. Jeff made a huge mistake. Let's fix it. Thank you. <laughs> well, and, you know, saying that, I, I just had this thought, too. You know, I guess as society, we're taught, you know, we ask people how they are, but the majority of the time, most people don't really want to know. So, you know, I there is a purpose for good and fine, but I think when you're in a safe place, Mm-hmm. to be able to appropriately express your feelings then but you know in in our offices that's why I would ban that because you know this is a safe place to be able to share what you need to share um but same point in time and you know that would go along with the boundaries talk and stuff but you know you don't want to go around telling everybody mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. yeah yeah because sometimes we get trapped at Target for an hour listening to an individual, an acquaintance, when you say, how are you? And they burst into tears and it's like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Well, there goes that hour. Um, and then at the end, I'm like, well, they felt safe enough to dump. And that's fine, right. but I mean, it's just an acquaintance, not even, you know, a client, because we don't do that in public with clients, right? right? <laughs> but um, yeah, like it is more difficult, I think, to let people know if we're not doing well in our feelings mm-hmm. and if we're not um, experiencing the full gamut of mm-hmm. our emotions, you know, um, and I know we talked about Inside Out the last time too, which is one of my favorite movies, but I think there truly is something there with, if we can learn to tolerate the uncomfortableness of those emotions that we don't like, which is fine to not like some because I don't like some. And I was reading something, or it might've even been on a TikTok video with a psychiatrist or something, but this very nice person stated that most feelings remain for about 90 seconds. So that's one minute and 30 seconds. And they said, if you can just stick with it for 90 seconds, feel it, allow it to happen. And then um, she didn't use these words, but these are my words, move it out of your body. She said, you're more likely to stop avoiding because it's doesn't feel so painful or overwhelming. And um, I like that. You know, I talk a lot about, I say we lean in and we're not going to live here. We're not going to stay here. We're just going to lean in and then actually use physical movement in my sessions with clients, whatever they might need. And they're really quite surprised. They'll say, oh, wow, 
that's gone. Like it's mm-hmm. not sitting in this part of my body anymore. I'm like, yeah, because mm-hmm. we're not avoiding it. We're moving mm-hmm. it out because it doesn't need to live inside your body. So that brings up a question that we had spoken about prior to um, this. And so I'm going to ask you the question. Um, how do we feel our feelings? Oh, yeah. So I think that means different things for different people. And it's when you have a safe person that you can talk about hard things with, you can figure it out because when people come to therapy, they don't know feelings. They don't even know the words to describe how they feel or even what it actually physically feels like inside your body. And so starting off with just the education about all of that and the way I do that with how do we begin to feel our feelings? I say, let's start with some safe feelings, feelings that we like. So Mm -hmm. we come up with, and we talk about that, like, um, animals, I think are a great safe place to start with people. And most of my clients have animals and I'll say, okay, so do you have love for your dog or your cat? And their face lights up. Oh my God. Yes. Okay. Well, how do you know that? And they're like, what do you mean? I was like, well, let's just sit here and close our eyes. And visualization is so powerful because it can have the same effect as if you were physically holding your dog. So by just visualizing in that moment, I said, let's close our eyes, take a few breaths and just imagine holding your dog. And then I'll see them like actually move their arms, which I love. And they're holding their dog. And I'll say, now let's just, I want you to pet your dog or your cat. I want you to lean down in visualization smell. Remember what that smells like. And so they're doing it and you see this instant relaxation and I'll say, okay, where do you feel that inside your body and place your hand there? So it's beginning to connect feelings with body sensations. And I start off with safe feelings so that the nervous system gets used to something new that we're doing. And then we can move on to the more difficult feelings like sadness. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause so many clients feel like if I start to cry, I'm never going to stop crying. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, we're going to go on a journey today. And so we're going to lean in and we're going to start off with feeling something sad. That's a spicy level between a two and a three. So not too intense. We're not going to go to level 10 sadness, like grief. You know, we're going to stay low and remember something when you felt that sadness and do the same thing. Where do you feel that inside your body? Put your hands there. Let's support it. Let's breathe. And just, we talk it through. And then I'll do that for about a minute, 90 seconds. And then I'll say, okay, now we're going to come out of that sadness. And because we're going to use the skills that I've already taught them, the coping skills, the breathing techniques, the visualization, and we're going to move it out of the body. And then they come and they're like, I don't feel the sadness anymore. So we, that's how I, I start small and we work our ways up. Did that answer your question? It did. I like it. I took notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, uh, you know, we have some clients that have maybe already been in therapy for a while, you know, and done other work. And so it's not that level. Everybody's different, but it's just befriending our feelings figuring out where do they show up inside of our bodies. Um, 
And then understanding it's okay to, to acknowledge that they're there. I even say, talk to them and just tell that sadness. I know that you feel so sad and I know you're here and you're this color, you're this shape if it does have colors and shape and just honor it and just let it know. Thank you for showing me what I needed to show. Thank you Mm -hmm. for helping me feel this. And now I'm going to ask you to leave because you don't need to live here. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so important is, you know, the way you said it to lean in, um, lean into it and then let it leave. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like, you know, that's like the huge thing, like, because we don't want to, there are times in our lives that probably all of us have gotten stuck in a feeling mm-hmm. and you know ultimately that doesn't necessarily do us good so there I use the good word it does not support us moving forward mm-hmm. as well as being able to move it out so I think you know that's part of the education that you know we need to be doing with ourselves and others is how to lean in, how to feel it and let it go. Yes. And I think what happens when you said it gets stuck. So I'm going to use the big word. That's when we become dysregulated in our nervous system. That's dysregulation. We're stuck in this loop. And so I think it's so important to find that safe person who we can co-regulate with that can help bring us back into regulation with our emotions and our nervous system you know and co-regulation sounds like this big old word it's like oh there's therapists throwing this word out it really simply in my mind it just means to join another human in an experience Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. you know you can go have coffee with a friend and just to be able to sit and have that coffee um, or do some yoga or whatever that you enjoy doing. And when you do it with another person and they're there in that safe spot too. And it can be like, it's those things like when you walk away, you just feel better. You know, like I've had coffee with friends before and I've walked away and I'm like, Oh my gosh. That was just what I needed. Thank you. And you didn't even really do anything, but being in the presence of someone else's nervous system allows us to regulate our own. Yes. And I think the caveat there also is that the person has to be an anchor. So they have to already be regulated. Like Mm -hmm. two dysregulated nervous systems together are going to continue with dysregulation. But you, you bring in that co-regulating energy of a regulated, calm, loving, nurturing nervous system, then the other nervous system is going to be like, Ooh, what's that? Ooh, Ooh, that feels good. And nobody can see me right Mm -hmm. now, but on zoom, I'll describe, I've got these little, I'm using my hands and I've got little fingers that are like, Ooh, going toward the other one. Like that's nice and calm. (laughs) Like I want to feel that. Yeah. And that does happen um, because many times we are anchors in our nervous system for clients and they'll leave and go, oh, I just feel so much better, you know, in my nervous system, it feels calm and like, yeah. Whereas when you think about if you've had those exchanges with people in your life 
and you maybe you're not in a great spot and they're not in a great spot and you know you are in this discussion together or what activity whatever and then you walk away and you're like well I feel worse because you both were dysregulated so that goes back to what you were saying you know being able to regulate with someone that is in that safe spot that's that anchor that calm Mm -hmm. um, comforting which is what I think is kind of cool about you know having as a therapist having my own therapist Mm -hmm. and having um therapist um as friends because a lot of times we can do that for each other or you know we our therapist can help us that but you know sometimes we just need even as a therapist sometimes I just need to like go sit in your presence Jennifer and you know absorb some good energy (laughs) yeah that's very true I mean we gravitate toward regulation. Our nervous system wants harmony. It wants to feel safe. It wants to feel connected. And so when we find those people that we feel safe and connected with, it, it is, it's, it's a very um, beautiful, you know, a moving experience. And I know there's a lot of people thinking out there like, oh my gosh, I don't even know what co-regulation is. And how do I, how would I even do that if I was a parent? You know what, I've got my screaming child in front of me and I'm being triggered, right? Oh, I can only imagine how difficult of a position that is. And so I would encourage people, you know, um, when like a trauma happens, it's not just occurring to one person in a family. That trauma will affect and impact every single person in that family. Mm -hmm. And so I encourage caregivers, why don't you get some support? Why don't you also go to therapy? So you can learn how to support your loved one through this really hard time. Yes, million yeses. I, I, I think everybody needs to partake in therapy at some point in their life oh yeah and that's where you can learn co-regulation and that's where you can learn those great coping skills right that Mm -hmm. uh, they don't make your problems go away but they do offer distraction yes and distraction and distraction is really you know that's another therapy term we we throw out is coping skills what are your coping skills you know, I had a kid ask me, it was like, well, what in the world is that? And I'm like, it's just simply a distraction that can help you move on from the thought feeling you're having. You know, it doesn't, I think sometimes people think that a coping skill needs to be like this big, big thing when really you can, I always say, what is your favorite things to do? Mm-hmm. Let's incorporate, incorporate that as your coping skill. Cause then you're going to enjoy doing it. You're not going to dread it and you're going to want to do it instead of me coming up with, um, okay, you need to deep breathe for five minutes. You know, I mean, if my therapist told me that, I'd probably be like, okay, I mean, I'm not (laughs) invested in that. So, you know, in getting, getting the client and or people to invest in what their coping skills are. And I'm one of those, I'm one of those therapists with my, with my people. I'm like, 
you know, there's like standard, let's come up with five. I'm like, nope, let's come up with 20. <laughs> those five aren't always going to work. So we're going to have a backup plan for your backup plan. Absolutely. And I like to tell people to make their list in whatever fashion that feels good to them and then put it somewhere they can see it because then you don't have to think about what do I need to do? You can just go to your list and let's say, close your eyes and just wherever your finger lands, we're going to start with this one. Mm-hmm. And if that one doesn't work, choose another one, right? Most all of the kids that I work with, we will make a coping skills poster for their rooms so Love that it. they can have it to hang up and see all their coping skills. Oh my gosh, I love it. I love it. Oh, Marcy, I have enjoyed our time together today. And uh, look, we didn't avoid our feelings. We didn't. (laughs) Yeah, but this was a lot of fun. And um, I really hope that the individuals out there listening, you know, if you want to do a deeper dive, then just Google feelings, feeling charts, begin to understand the different levels of spiciness of feelings. You can type in intensity feelings chart and you'll get lots of stuff. You can create your own too, right? That's kind of fun. You could create a feelings chart of the level of spiciness. Yeah. I'm getting visual thoughts of that. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So I just want to Again, thank our audience, our Start By Listening peeps. Thanks for tuning in. And um, next month, we're going to have more exciting topics. I don't remember, but I know I've got it written down somewhere. Squirrel brain. So again, Marcy, thank you so much for joining today and sharing your thoughts and your wisdom. It was beautiful. Thanks for having me. Yeah, have a beautiful day. Well, we made it to the end of our episode. We want to thank you for listening. We also want to thank VOCA for funding our podcast. VOCA stands for Victims of Crime Act. This project was supported by grant number VOCA 2020 Green River 00026, awarded through the Kentucky Justice and Public Safety Cabinet by the United States Department of Justice. The opinions, findings, conclusions, and recommendations expressed in this publication, program, exhibition are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Kentucky Justice and Public Safety Cabinet or the U.S. Department of Justice. We also want to give a big shout out and a thank you to Seth Hedges of Uriah Wild Media. He is the amazing individual who created the beautiful music for our podcast. We thank you so much, Seth. I'm going to encourage you to go check out his stuff. He's pretty talented and awesome. You can find him at www.uriahwild.com. That's www.uriahwild.com. And finally, we want to give a really special shout out to Rodney Newton for being our amazing technical advisor. He has spent several Saturdays and days throughout the week to help us get this podcast up and going. Rodney, you are our captain. And finally, we hope that you'll take something you heard today and change the world tomorrow.
Join us next time on Start By Listening. And as always, please remember that New Beginnings is here for you to listen or help 24 hours a day. Just give us a call, 1-800-226-7273.